If we have died with Christ, Romans 6, 6, and if our sin has been paid in full, removing the penalty of sin given by the law, this necessarily means that every true believer in Christ is no longer subject to the penalty of death. There's nothing the law has over you now if you are alive and set free in Jesus Christ. Hi, friends, and welcome back to Live in the Light. I'm your host, Craig Turnbull, and joining me is our teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons, and people you can't see who make this possible are also joining us. People like Kathy and Michael and Nagam, our Live in the Light team. And then, of course, there's you, our listeners. However you're joining us, we're so thankful that you are here today. Hey, we've been considering the urgency of following Christ in our latest series. Here's what we're calling it. Life's too short not to grow in Christ. And today, Robbie, we are comparing grace and law and seeing how we triumph in Christ. Robbie, just how important is today's message? Well, I mean, we are, again, as you said, Romans 6 to 8. This is some of the most important, again, theological content in the New Testament. It is massively unpacking what it means to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ and to change. And as you said today, grace and law, and Paul goes deep, and Paul loves the terms, again, of a lawyer and, and, and the, legal, the legal terms he brings up here. And we're going to unpack for us, to be able to say, what role does the law play in our lives? And what does it mean that we are actually above the law in Jesus Christ, that we have died to the law? It's pretty fascinating. Again, dense, we keep saying that. But man, when you start to understand and start to see the newness that comes in Christ, and we'll see that today, Again, from Romans 7, man, a passage that maybe you're not too familiar with. We pray the Holy Spirit will bring understanding, clarity, and tremendous encouragement to you right now and new fruitfulness and new freedom and the new life that we've been given in Jesus Christ. And just on that note, too, as you uh, faithful listeners, we want to extend to you our appreciation for letting us know how the Lord is working in your life, for your support of this ministry, allowing it to be on this station right now to reach those, again, who desire to be fed by the Word of God for the glory of Jesus Christ. That means so much to us and to our team. And so please keep it going. We just love, love, love to hear from you. And we pray that today's message especially will be found as a great source of encouragement to where you are specifically. I just love to think about, again, the individuals the Holy Spirit is speaking to, not by accident, but with such purpose today, exactly where you are, meeting you where you are, loving you where you are at home, in the car, um, on the computer, wherever that may be. Just the Lord specifically wants to meet, speak, and transform you. That's an awesome thought, and I can't say it enough. So may it be so. Lord, may you encourage again your people today. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yes, and as Robbie has said, if you'd love to reach out, if you'd love to connect with us, you can do that at our website at liveinthelight.ca or through our phone at one 844 light Well, get ready for some encouragement, listeners. Let's turn things back over to Pastor Robbie in Romans chapter 7. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. 
Hey, if we could open our Bibles to Romans chapter 7, that would be such an encouragement to me. And I pray for you as well. If you don't have one, there's a Bible in front of you, almost 100% guaranteed, which you can use. In fact, if you don't have a Bible here and uh, you want one, then that one in front of you in the chair, that can be yours for sure, as long as you promise to read it, all right? Uh, we'd love to do that for you. And uh, that would be our gift to you today. If you're in overflow right now, welcome. If you're watching online, welcome as well. So good to see so many of you excited for what's happening in the weeks to come. Um, I'm gonna pray for us because... Uh, because I have to. So, Father, um, right now, we officially open your word together, and we are thankful for your truth, which has been changing lives for um, hundreds of years, written by you uh, with the message of salvation pointing to your son, Jesus Christ, as the gift sent from you uh, as the Savior of the world. Um, I pray today by your Holy Spirit that you would teach, you would specifically bring clarity and you would cause it to result in transformation. Father, we, um, we cannot change ourselves. We um, are needy. Uh, you are worthy. Uh, in ourselves, we don't have any wisdom. You are the one who holds perfect wisdom. Um, Lord, we are insufficient. You are awesome. And so, Father, you hear this prayer right now. You are kind and generous. Thank you for the forgiveness of our sins through your Son. Thank you for your patience and grace upon us, Lord. Our seasons where we wander away, our distraction, Lord, are just our our sinfulness, and yet you, you welcome us back every single time. You cleanse us. You love us. I'm so thankful for the gospel, which we will hear again today. And I pray, Lord, for some for the first time ever. Uh, for those maybe walking with you for a while, this will be the gospel heard in a fresh way. And I pray in such an encouragement to them. And so help us now, Lord. I pray you will grant strength and you'll continue to lead your church in these times that in many ways are desperate but all the more reason to focus on Jesus Christ, the answer, the light, the love. I do pray you will deliver us from evil today in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, you will shine light in darkness, and I pray that you will protect us in this time. This will truly be a sanctuary of praise and of faith and hope and deep encouragement by the Holy Spirit, as only you can. So help us, Lord. We are here for you. This church exists for you. And head of the church, take over fully as you are. We pray this together. In Jesus' name, if you agree, you can say amen. Amen. Thank you for your faith in that. And so we begin our message today, Romans 7. There's a well-known phrase. There's a well-known phrase that says that um, no one is above the law. <clears throat> no one is above the law. That's been said, actually, a lot in recent times, too, in various situations. What does it mean when someone says no one is above the law? It means this, that every individual, no matter how wealthy or powerful or influential they might be, is equally subject to the law of the land. This, of course, would include all government officials and all persons. Uh, no one is above the law. It means that all must answer to the law at the end of the day. So the rule of the law equals that no one is above the law. We are thankful for the rule of the law in our nation where every person uh, under that law uh, is held to account equally. That is a very good thing. However, however, no one is above the law may be true physically and legally, as we just heard and as was stated, but it is not true spiritually. Follow me here, okay? Now, spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, the law of God, the law of God condemns every person ever born, okay? So, the law of God is held over us as human beings. And the Bible tells us, and we know from life experience every day, all have sinned 
and fall short of the glory of God. So because all have sinned, then we are under then, rightfully so, the condemnation of the law. We are guilty. And because we are guilty as sinful human beings, we deserve death against God's law, which demands righteousness and demands perfection. However, there's a group of people, spiritually speaking, that are indeed above the law. Say, what do you mean by that? Well, we have learned, and we learn again today explicitly, that all those who have been saved in Jesus Christ, if you are saved in Jesus Christ by his grace, through faith in him, then the Bible tells us you've been set free from sin. And if you've been set free from sin, then you are also set free from the condemnation of the law as guilty. That's the point here of our text today. If you are in Christ then, saved in Christ, our text says today, you have died to the law, which means you are released from the condemnation of the law. That's what our text says today as well. It means that you are raised from the dead with Christ. If you are raised from the dead, then you are above the law, so to speak. So all true believers, spiritually speaking, are above the law. You have been released from the law, Romans 6, 14. You are no longer under the law, but you are under grace. If you're not under the law because you're saved in Christ, then you are above the law. So that's our sermon title today. It's that, above the law. For all true believers, spiritually speaking, we are above the law. Now, did I mention spiritually speaking a couple of times there, okay? Because if you leave this place today and you go rob a bank and you're put in jail, you cannot say, Pastor Robbie said I was above the law, okay? No, that's not what I said. Spiritually speaking, the whole point is if we are in Christ, we have been set free from this aspect. We have been set free from the condemnation of the law that says we are sentenced to death. Jesus Christ has released us from that death sentence. We are now alive in him, okay? So our text today in Romans 7, not gonna lie to you, it's heavy, it's wordy. There's a lot coming down the pipe here. We're praying for God's grace and strength by his spirit. He will teach us. I'm very excited to lead you through it, but this is one of these passages. You might have to double back a few times and maybe even re-listen again as well. But as we get it, I pray the Lord will use it powerfully in our lives. Romans 7, verse one, here we go. Paul says this, continuing to build his argument in sanctification. Or do you not know, brothers and sisters, a term of, of endearment intimacy, for I'm speaking to those who know the law. By the way, the law is mentioned 14 times in chapter seven alone. That the law is binding on a person only as long as he or she lives. By way of illustration, for a married woman is bound by the law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is freed from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. That's the illustration. Here's the application. Likewise, my brothers, sisters, you also have died to the law, how? Through the body of Christ. Why? So that you may belong to another. Who? To him who has been raised from the dead. Why? In order that we may bear fruit for God. 
For while we were living in the flesh, former life, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now in the gospel in Christ, we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive. Notice what now, why? So that we serve in the new way of the spirit, not in the old way of the written code. All right, there's a lot there. We're gonna begin where the word begins, where the Holy Spirit begins. Point number one is this then, an illustration of the law, an illustration of the law. So in verse one, take a look at verse one. Paul says, I'm speaking to those who know the law. What's he referring to there? Paul knows his audience is made up of Jewish and Gentile Christians who are very familiar with the Mosaic law, with the Torah, with the commandments of God outlined in the Mosaic law. So his audience, they fully understand the weight of the law and therefore the implications of the obedience that is commanded to the law. Now, as we enter into Romans chapter seven here, let's catch up with Paul's audience as to what Paul has taught thus far in the book of Romans on the law. So take a look here for a second. Okay, so here's what Paul has taught in regarding, regarding to the law so far in Romans. So we've learned here in chapter two, Israel failed to fulfill the law because no one, no human being can fulfill the law in themselves. We learn in chapter three that the law cannot justify a person. The law cannot save us. The law reveals the fact we need to be saved but the law cannot justify us in itself. The law stirs up consciousness of sin. The law is like a mirror. When we look at the law, it's like looking in a mirror and it shows us who we really are. We are sinful. It stirs up our consciousness, makes us aware of our sinful state. The law is used to help us understand that it brings wrath. It allows us to know the righteousness, the holy demands and judgment of God is coming upon us because we cannot be perfect in and of ourselves. The law also is used to increase trespasses because the law, we're going to see in our text today, arouses our sinful flesh within us by awareness. It actually makes us, again, sin more. It's used to cause us in ourselves to sin more. And in chapter 6, we learn here so far, no one is free. No one ever is free as long as they are under the law. If you're under the law, you're under the condemnation of the law. And you and I, if that is our case, we are in very big trouble. Now, notice what Paul is teaching on the law here. Notice everything is negative. That whole summary there, everything is negative. Now, notice this also, okay? The law itself is not negative, that's very important. The law is not sin. That's the whole message next week. That's the whole passage in, in Romans next is the law itself is not sinful. Everything here is negative. The law is not negative, but here's what's happening. But the law is revealing that we're negative. The law is used to show us we are sinful, that we are wicked, that we have evil within us in and of ourselves as we sin against God every day we live. The law itself is not negative. The law is used to show us that we are negative. It exposes our hearts. It reveals our true nature. 
So what Paul is doing here, he is gathering evidence to again show us that while we're under the law, we're in big time trouble, okay? This is a major problem because if we're under the law, we're condemned to death. Our death sentence again is eternal. If we're under the law, we are in massive trouble. So we must be saved. But in order to be saved, we must be set free from the law. We must come out from under the law somehow. We must be delivered above the law. Again, Romans 6, 14, right? You are not under the law in Christ and the gospel. You are now again under grace, okay? So that's so key, and this is where he's going. Now, again, so far, Paul's like in verse one, it's kind of, there's a lot of complicated themes there. So what he does is he provides an illustration to try to help his audience understand. Look at verse two now, okay? So he says, For a married woman is bound by the law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive, but if her husband dies, she is free from that law, and if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress, okay? So very interesting here. Now remember, this illustration in verses two and three is supporting the principle in verse one, okay? And the principle in verse one where it says, Paul says, the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives, okay? So Paul's point here is a woman whose husband dies frees her, from the law of marriage. In the same way, likewise, a Christian who dies to the condemnation of the law is free now to marry another solely, namely Jesus Christ. The death of the woman's husband breaks the law, binding her to that marriage. So for us, as long as we are married to the law, so to speak. We are bound to that law and our sentence is death. But if we die to the law, then we are free to belong to another who saves us again from this death sentence. Now, we'll continue in the theology Paul's presenting. I just wanna stop here just for a second and I wanna just take a moment as a side note. Notice how seriously God treats marriage and the covenant of marriage as law under him. The immense seriousness that the Bible regards marriage. What do we learn here? Marriage is a covenant between a man and a woman under God unto death. We are bound together under God and his word as a husband and wife. Our world right now tosses around marriage like it's a toy, just trashing it and devaluing it and disrespecting it and destroying it. Whenever a society does that, because marriage is God's design in the foundation and the creation of the world in Genesis 1 and 2, because it's sacred and designed for the flourishing of society itself, 
Therefore, any society that is devaluing, disrespecting, and destroying a marriage is 100% for sure a society that is crumbling, a society that is beginning to disintegrate because it is trashing the very thing that God set in place for the health and the flourishing of society itself rooted in the very creation of the world itself. So this is very important for us to understand the seriousness of marriage. And regardless of what the world does, one of the greatest ways we fight against the lies of culture is to have strong, flourishing marriages that are faithful to one another as men and women, as husbands and wives before Christ. Side note, very important though to put down what Paul's saying here. He's assuming all his readers know this. We must know this as well, right? And the form of adultery and adulteress that is mentioned a couple of the times there too, that is very, very important and very, very serious. Back to the theology of our text in terms of the law and freedom in Christ. So when the believer dies to the law, they are free now to belong to another, again, which is Jesus Christ. But listen, loved ones, there must be a death to the law. If we have not died to the law, we cannot break free then from its penalty and condemnation. So at this point, I'm anticipating lots of questions and some confusion. Fair? Fair? How are you doing so far? It's hard to tell sometimes, right? But I'm anticipating there's some confusion. There's a lot here. By the way, if you have some confusion and questions, you're in very good company, okay? The Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. He's like, man, Paul's writings, they're hard to understand. And all God's people said sometimes, amen. Amen, okay? You're in very good company. Be encouraged. Peter himself is like, man, sometimes I can't figure it out. You know, like I have to think on it. I have to pray about it. They're hard to understand. So be very, very encouraged by that, okay? So anticipating some confusion and some questions. Die to the law, okay? Mary Christ, this will help a little bit. Here's a slide we've updated a tiny bit from a couple of weeks ago, okay? Here's what Paul's saying. If you want to live in this, you must die to this. You must die to the law if you're going to live in grace. As long as you're bound and married to the law, you can't go here. It is impossible to go from here to here unless you die to the law. So what are we dying to? We're dying to the law that says you must do to be saved. That's impossible. You'll never do enough. You'll never do enough. You listen to me right now? You cannot earn salvation. You cannot earn salvation, okay? You must die to the condemnation. As long as we're under the law, condemned to death, rightly so. You have to die to this. You die to the law that beats you up, that sends you to prison and death. You die to the law that cannot save you. It just tells you you need to be saved. It cannot save you. You die to the law that imprisons you. You die to the law where there's constant attempts of atonement that never work. It's always, sing confess, sing confess. It never actually get forgiven. I die to, the, die to the law of ultimately of being defeated and in death forever. I must die to this and it's sentence of death to live in this. And that's where Christ comes in. Only he can cause the law to be fulfilled again and we're saved. And then in grace now, if I die to this, then I live in this. What? I live in grace. It's already been done for me. I don't have to do anything. It's already been done. Jesus Christ accomplished all of it for me. I now live in forgiveness. I live in the gospel that builds me up. I live in salvation. I live in freedom. The shepherd died for the sheep. I live in victory in life. But Paul's whole point is, as long as you're bound to this, you cannot live in this. We must die to the law to be saved again and have the freedom and victory of life that is found under the grace of 
only realized and found in the Lord Jesus Christ. So another way to put it here too, right? I die to the law that I might be married to Christ. And if I'm married to Christ, then I receive all that Christ is, freedom and life and forgiveness and grace. I want you to see this too, what Paul's hinting at. When you die to the law and it's legal form, it's all legalism, it's all death. It's 100% legalism, we'll never get out of it. But then you are not under law anymore, then there's this relationship that opens up. A relationship of joy, a relationship of life, a relationship of love, a relationship of forgiveness, a relationship of peace, a relationship of eternal life. Again, only found in one person. His name is Jesus Christ. So we go from the illustration of the law. Now, number two, we see the application of having died to the law. So in verses four to six, I found four powerful applications of when we died to the law. Let's read these verses. Let's see how many you can find, if you can find all four as we read these verses. So verse four now. Likewise, my brothers and sisters, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ. Only in Christ do you die to the law. So that, here we go. So that you may belong to another, who? To him who's been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, notice, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. That's not good. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, not in the old way of the written code. Okay, so four awesome points of application of what it means if we've died to the law in Christ. Those will be on the screen for you beside me and behind me. Application number one is this. I have new life. If I've died to the law in Christ, I have new life. Verse four, right? You've died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead. Okay, so again, once you've died to the law, Bible tells us you are now free to belong to another. Died to the law, now I can marry another. Who is this another? This another is none other than Jesus Christ raised from the dead. And if Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, listen, and you belong to him, I like your chances. In fact, your chances are perfect, okay? If you belong to Jesus Christ, he's raised from the dead. You too shall be raised from the dead and you are raised to newness of life. Romans 6, verse four. Again, ready? Died to the law, married now to Christ and wed to him forever. Here's another way to think about having died to the law. Think of it this way. I like this. This is helpful. If someone is convicted of a crime deserving of capital punishment, if someone is convicted of a crime deserving capital punishment and the death penalty, think of it then, what power does that death sentence or that law that says you are destined for death, what power does that law have over a man who's already died? What power does the law have of a death sentence over someone who has already died? There's nothing the law can do at that point. The person's dead. The law has no authority over that person. The law cannot cause that to happen. Once the person has died, the law and its condemnation is no longer applicable. 
There's no authority. There's nothing it can do. So in the gospel, if we have died with Christ, Romans 6, 6, and if our sin has been paid in full, removing the penalty of sin given by the law, this necessarily means that every true believer in Christ is no longer subject to the penalty of death. There's nothing the law has over you now if you are alive and set free in Jesus Christ. The condemnation of death no longer has power over you because you have died with Christ, you have been raised with Christ, you are now free in Christ. And loved ones, just a reminder, we would love to hear from you if God's been moving in such a strong way, maybe even just today, providing you with that great message of hope. Our phone number is 1-844-22-LIGHT. That's 1-844-22-L-I-G-H-T. Or you can reach out to us via our website at liveinthelight.ca. At Live in the Light, we believe that through the faithful and the passionate preaching of God's Word, disciples will be made and the church will be strengthened. That's all for today, listeners. Join us again next time here on Live in the Light. 